Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Hello, everyone. Welcome along to the first Far Post Perth podcast in association with Outside 90. My name is Neil Sherwin and I'll be your host for the best part of an hour as a panel of passionate football fans to discuss all things A-League and Western Australia. We're coming to you today from the Globe Bar in Perth CBD and a pub of some sort will be the setting for each of the podcasts and that's why you can hear a little bit of background noise. It's, it's Monday, it's fairly vibrant for Perth. They say that we, uh, we're a sleepy little city but you wouldn't really think it at the moment. So who do I have with me? I've got, as I said, an assembled cast of football aficionados around the table. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves one by one, starting to the lady to my left. Hi guys, I'm Donna Jeffrey. Uh, most of you will know me as an avid Victory fan. So I'll bring you guys some fan interaction. Just going to have to stop you right there, Donna. <laughs> Let's get the jeers in early. And some non-biased views on the Perth Glory season and just some club contributions and so forth. Yeah, Blaine Treadgold, uh, most of you will know me from my um, uh, stuff in um, fan, um, fan kind of stuff, um, active fans, do a bit for Socceroos and for uh, the glory and that kind of thing. I'm Fraser Glennie, big Perth Glory fan, social reprobate, I'm working alongside Joe who's to my left and we do all the space post-production and getting it all going. We sort of keep Don't each other on check, I suppose. I'm, uh, I'm Joe Haddo, by the way. Um, I'm the son of Scotland originally, um, but I found a great football home here in WA in Perth. A uh, good bunch of people. And um, looking forward to the new season and working on this podcast and getting some good content out to the fans. Yep, as, as Joe just said, it's all about fan engagement. We're looking to partner with Outside 90 and be the, the, the I guess the Perth go-to place for football fans, not just of Perth Glory but of WA football in general, whether it's the MPL, the State League, Junior Football the way the uh, the grassroots is going here at the moment there's lots to talk about and lots to focus on so we'll be aiming to do that over the course of the next season and uh, yeah we'll take it week by week and see what happens but first up, we've got the introductions out of the way, it's time to focus on football discussion and we'll start with a look at WA's A-League side Perth Glory as they get ready for another campaign as usual, there's plenty of new faces in the squad and Coach Kenny Lowe was rewarded for last season's fifth place finish with a two-year contract extension. That'll take them up to 2019. First of all, Blaine, start with you, being a big Glory fan. Is that, is that a good move? Is it the right move by the club? Oh, I think it's fantastic. I think um, based on, um, on previous seasons, um, I think Kenny's done a fantastic job um, within his kind of grasp. Um, obviously, a bit unfortunate with the... Um, salary cap incident but we seem to be over that and all kind of pushing in the right direction I think there's 15 new WA um, 13. 13 sorry stand corrected she's the numbers lady um, <laughs> WA according um, to Donna's calculations produced players so I think that's a good um, a good kind of foundation um, and then you throw in guys like Castro and Keogh and it's, um, it's looking pretty good on paper for the upcoming season completely agree Fraser Glory finished fifth We'll sum that down to a little bit of an implosion by Melbourne Victory and Sydney FC, who, who probably flattered to deceive. They would have been expected to finish a lot higher than 6th and 7th. Is it unfair to say that Glory benefited from that, or was it a lot of it down to the changes Kenny Lowe had made to the squad? 
I went into last season with no real expectations as to what happened the year before. Um, kind of blew me out the water within, I don't know, first maybe four or five games. And as I said, no expectation whatsoever. I didn't actually think we were going to finish in the top half of the table at all. And I mean, probably are sitting halfway, but halfway through last season, it did kind of occur to me, you know, with what Blaine was saying, with what Kenny had, I think he probably achieved more than anybody expected. And uh, I think we can only look forward from last season. It was it had a good ending, I thought, and uh, a good run in the FFA Cup as well. Yeah, I think, I think last year was a was a development year for Glory, really. After we'll, I'll mention the salary cap debacle in a little bit when we get on to fan engagement, but in terms of the, the playing group and you lose almost a whole squad of players and, and Joe I'm sure as a fan it was disappointing to see so many good players go did you have any expectations for last year any hopes or was it a case of we'll just try not get the wooden spoon and kick on from there I think um, I agree with what Fraser said you know it's um, there was a you know we'll get into the cap as you said problems with that but um, not a lot of expectation about the team that we were left with I guess and I think um, going forward into this season, we've got the perfect response with the way he's signing players and, and, and who he has signed. And, and, you know. I think we have attracted, uh, yeah, going back to the West Australia, I think we've attracted the right kind of players that I personally want to play for the only West Australian side. Yeah, so. yeah. and no, they took their time to get to where they did last season. Obviously, you know, you saying we're expecting them to not get any you know, higher than the bottom of the table where we were for there, but then... Even with what they built... Um, in the early uh, stages of last season, um, there wasn't really players clicking, they weren't gelling, there was players that probably shouldn't have been here to begin with. Um, and it took till mid-season, I think, to try and get that sorted, and obviously we went big in the January transfer, um, and it seemed to pay absolute dividends, and I think, um, you know, that set the foundation, so we, and we're built again this season in the pre-season, so... Um, All under the salary cap as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. A little clap um, there for yeah, no, I think, context. Um, back to that, that point, um, you know, obviously same. I was skeptical. Um, obviously, you know, we're all, all a bit hurt by what happened. Um, I've not been a fan of the club as long as some others, but and I can understand people's sort of you know pain and, and what they went through after the, the whole cap. Um, but I think we've got you know we're looking positive this season. We've pushed beyond that, and you know we're looking great this season ahead. So. What do you guys think, Neil? Donna? Donna, from an outsider's perspective, looking at Glory, what they did last season, you know, I'm sure you guys were were quite happy to see, uh, from a victory perspective, see a club that probably wouldn't be challenging because Glory had had such a great season yeah. the year before, pushed all the way, possibly could have taken out the title in the end, didn't, and then it all went downhill. As a victory fan, were you happy to see a rival like that fall apart? Um, I was quite gutted for the Be people honest. that I knew. No, I really was, and I said I was very shocked with the outcome with what had happened um, after the salary cap and you know the, what they were reprimanded with and all that sort of stuff. It all happened so quickly it as just, well. It was like a quick, you know, and I had a lot of Victory fans that asked me the same thing. Um, you know, I sit there and I give them a bit of stick, but I live here. I know people affiliated with the club and within the club, and it was gutting to see them taken down. Um, but credit to them, halfway through the season, I must say, every time we come over here, the victory play here, it, it's, yeah, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, no matter what squad you've got out there, whether you lost the week before, I come out and I think we're going to get thumped. Um, and it's something about NIB coming over here. So credit to them, they came back. I never thought in a million years I'd finish in the top six. I picked them to be the wooden spoon. Um, a lot of my husband said the same thing. Um, but then 
you know, we dropped as well. So credit them, they did well. Yeah, all right. Let's move on to some signings that have been made. We've, we've talked about the parochialism, and that seems to be inherent in WA, that we all want Western Australian players coming back and, and that kind of thing. But I'm going to ask you, last year the club got a lot of a lot of stick from supporters and people outside of WA for the best West, uh, West versus Rest motto that they went with. People were disappointed with that and said it was a bit too much in your face, you know, giving two fingers to the Eastern States. Yeah, we're all very happy when WA players come back. Isn't that a little bit of a contradiction in that? Yeah, no, I think... Um, yeah, no, great start. <laughs> <laughs> From what I remember, Dave Mitchell tried bringing a fair bit of that in in the, you know, um, previous years of the uh, A-League. And it's always been there, whether people like it or not, that parochialism and that... Um, that West versus the rest kind of mantra has always been there. It's always been in, in WA sport, no matter what the code. It's attitude towards everything, really, outside the sport, you know. Yeah, um, so a humble I, little town. I, I think it made sense that they just went with it because it's going to be there anyway. So rather than fight against it, yeah. You guys are happy to be given giving the two fingers to the Eastern States at any possible opportunity and bringing these boys back in. I'm trying to introduce the idea of a third finger as well, just to get <laughs> a little bit stronger. But... I think it segregated you guys a bit. Yeah. Being a victory supporter, and I saw that, it, I was just like, you're doing it to yourself. Yeah. You want to know why we don't we don't care and we just give it to you because you did it to yourself last season. But fair play, that thing trended really well and it gave people something to talk about other than the salary cap. People were heated about that, so run all right, specific players that have come in, I'm going to try and list them all off and hopefully no one gets missed out. And if any of the players are listening, apologies if your name's not the list. We've got Milan Smiljanic, Joel Chinesi, Adam Tigert, Joseph Mills, Liam Reddy, Brandon Wilson, Nick Feely, Reese Williams and Austin Griffiths. Chris Hurd came and went. That was a bit of a, an interesting saga, but he's not here now, so we'll, we'll deal with players that are. Um, Blaine, going through the, the new signings, is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to seeing most and who do you think will make the biggest impact this season? Um, yeah, well, I'm pretty, been pretty impressed with um, Joe Mills at the fullback. Um, he seemed to start well um, in the preseason match that we saw against WA. It's probably one of our best that day. Um, he's probably going to probably tip out um, Mark Warren um, for that fullback position on the left. Um, and obviously, you'll have Josh Christian back on the right hand side. Um, Smilianic, oh, I haven't seen too much of him, I don't know a lot about him. Um, Where's number 99? I'm not down with that at all. There's no reason. No um, reason. Obviously, good to get uh, Rustin Griffiths back. Yeah, I'm um, really excited about him. Um, obviously, good midfield enforcer. Um, my own concern is that is he and Reese Williams too too similar. Um, um, and I can't see Reese Williams pop dropping back to that centre back position because I think he's going to be wasted there. So it'll be interesting to see how they set up the, the midfield with those two. Like a classic football thing, they could use each other to their own advantages and compete for that position. And you don't want to turn into a Lampard Gerrard kind of scenario, you know. Yeah, I suppose. It's going to come down to the formation as well, as you say, how they structure that, having two players with such similar ability and playing style. Yeah, yeah. Kenny could have something up his sleeve. It'll be interesting to see how these guys link up with Castro. Obviously, a massive re-signing with Johnny Warren medalist last season. Um, he's absolutely huge and vital to um, to that link between uh, coming out of defence and putting something you know uh, decent up front for Taggart and Keogh. Um, so you imagine Smilianic will sit alongside him. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they put those wider players, um, Chris Harold and, and the likes and how they'll fit in. Yeah, I'm still not convinced by the left side, personally, because if Mills comes in and plays left-back, Castro, if he plays from the left, tends to tuck inside a lot. I would like, I'd like an upgrade on Sydney. 
a direct out and out left winger that you can stretch the pitch with. I think that the problem with Castro, I know we're picking faults and probably the best player in the league, but if he drifts inside, it, it narrows the team quite a lot. And um, you need a fullback like Scott Jamison did. He used to get up on the outside for glory. He was great at doing that. Um, Sydney offered a bit of whiff from the bench. Joel Chinese could do that to an extent, but I just think we're missing a, a left-footed Chris Harrell, probably. Uh, something, somebody similar like that that could, that could stretch the pitch when it's needed. Um, I, that, that's just my personal feeling. Donna, from a, just from a victory perspective, who would you like to sign out of those players? Who would you like to Ross? I said it the minute that he signed. He was he impressed me when he was here. I was gutted when he left. Um, and when he said that he wanted to come back, I was like, sign him up. I don't know where, but sign him up. I don't know where we could fit him, but we could do with a bit of uh, with fit him. So he's probably one of the most interesting to see what Reese Williams can do. He's a bit injury prone, so hopefully he stays fit. Um, and it'd be good to see Tags get some good time. You know, he's playing a few, he's had a bit of injuries throughout the season. Um, so it'd be good to see him come up on top as well. Joel, how about yourself? Whose name are you getting on the back of your shirt? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I'll tell you what I've been most surprised with, and I know it's early days yet, and there's, a lot, there's been a lot of um, sceptical minds on the goalkeeping position, right? and I'm sure you're going to get to this at some point, but um, Liam Reddy um, has got a just, you know, pretty cultured past, I suppose, in this league in particular. You know, there was a lot of chatter going around, you know, and what are we going to do about a goalkeeper this season? And then I saw him play at the FFA Cup game, and I thought he was one of the best players on the night. And, you know, oh, he did have an outstanding game. We kept the game, game for a lot of it. Didn't have a great game, and I heard a lot of people were very skeptical. You know, yeah, he's a beast. When he first arrived, but he, he actually, you know, put, put on the show there, and I hope that can continue into the season. Absolutely. Quite liked that game because obviously we had Vukovic and goals over there. It was good to see. Ex-goalkeeper playing against his old club. A bit of banter there from the fans yeah, too, just welcoming him back. behind the post, especially for that second half, let's just say that. But um, yeah, look, and um, Adam Taggart as well. And it's, it, it's exciting to see, you know, uh, a bit of pace and they're bringing in people that can inject them, their own sort of style into the squad. And I'm just hoping that they do gel well with the new players. And you know, over time, the squad gets, you know, to the strength and, and you know there's a lot of expectations on this season so hopefully they uh, live up to it. Alright we mentioned the FFA Cup, bit of a mixed bag for glory, good win away to Brisbane then a disappointing home loss to Sydney FC. I suppose we would have all loved to get to the final again and had a had a whinge about where it was going to be played for the third year in a row. And in front of 10,000 people. Yeah which would have been great, I'm sure we're all devastated we've missed out on that but playing just on, on the, the two games, I, I'm the FFA Cup, when it comes to A-League teams, for me, is, is a bit, it's a bit hard to take seriously in the earlier rounds because they're in pre-season mode, they're not up to match speed, it's really until the quarters, the semis, we start to see the quality come through. Are you disappointed with those showings, or do you just take it as pre-season games now? Yeah, I know. I think it's um, the FFA Cup is um, very, very important to our pre-season because, of course, it's very, very hard to get other A-League clubs and decent uh, pre-season opposition to get a bit of you know, match fitness and running your legs. So um, from our point of view, the longer the cup run seems to go, the better pre-season we have. Um, I mean, we know we've done our um, pre-season tour to Philippines and we've had the, um, the exhibition match against the WA State team. But um, yeah, I would have liked to have gone at least a couple more weeks into the cup um, just to give the boys more chance to get together and gel, I think. Yeah, oh, you can always leave it too late in the pre-season. You don't want to be hitting the first couple of games and still not finding your stride. You want to be 
hitting the ground running completely. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you start off on the back foot and just still unsure about yourselves in the first couple of games, you can start losing points very early, yeah, and that's the difference, game. you know. It was a very weak game. Yeah. I'm going watching you guys play against Brisbane and then watching that. Thinking, oh, two completely different was, sides, wasn't it? 60th minute, I was like, okay, this is not worth watching, and. No, and again, it comes to what Blaine is saying, coming up against A-League opposition is a bit different. It, it gives you more momentum, it gives yeah. you more experience, the guys find their feet, and it leads you into the season. Playing with no disrespect at all to the WA State team, playing against them and smaller other clubs and so forth, I say this about us, you know, we play against South Melbourne and Melbourne Knights and whoever else, uh, Green Gully. The preparation you get against them compared to against, you know, your A-League opposition is completely different, and they want to push, they don't want to lose. Um, so I was quite disappointed watching that game, but hey, it is pre-season. Yep, it is what it is. It's out of the way. Glory's uh, FFA Cup run will continue next season, and there are no WAMPL teams left in the competition either, and they've yet to actually win a game any of the MPL team so um, maybe in 2017 okay let's move on to something that's very important and very much talked about in what is the most ridiculously long off season in football it's fan engagement uh, when you don't have any games on fans get restless they get whingy they get moany and they like to have a cry about anything possible so there's a lot of work for clubs to do and I think it's fair to say Glory have stepped up their game quite a lot over the past few years Blaine Roughly 6,000 members signed up so far. Four-year strategic plan to hit 10,000. Is there an appetite in Perth for that? And if so, are Glory playing well and winning? Is Glory playing well and winning going to contribute massively to it? Is, oh, that, is, absolutely. is it realistic at um, 10,000? Absolutely. Everyone loves a winner. Um, the more games you win, the better your atmosphere, the better your crowds, um, the more people that sign up for memberships. Um, Perth has never been a huge... Um, Membership-based club. It's a lot of it's been pay by the week and pay by, pay by the gate kind of style. So I turn think, it up after twenty minutes after kickoff, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. What should we do on a Sunday? We'll go to the football kind of style. Um, but I think, um, yeah. I mean, they're definitely um, on their way. Six thousand members, four years plan. I think the target this year to get to would be probably. I think it's eight five, but they're probably looking to try and get closer to ten thousand this year. Um, and if, you could, if we can have a decent season, there's no reason why they can't get to that target. Fraser, what are your thoughts on the, the way the membership is being plugged? Are you, are you happy with the engagement, the publicity, the, the I'm, marketing? I'm saying enough. I, I, do, um, I do feel, maybe because it is my team and I do get a bit antsy about it, I do notice that obviously other codes, the AFL, even the basketball situated where we are just now, tends to get quite a bit more media attention and... Uh, and publicism in the streets in terms of like no criticism whatsoever but the Wildcats have every flagpole at some points of the year backs and of, back of buses backs of buses yeah. exactly you know all those sorts of things and I don't see why Perth Glory aren't promoting it a bit more you know I, I wouldn't assume it would be too hard to put a few billboards up and but in places where people see them such as the city centre rather from, than from what I was hearing and I saw room. something come out um, just on Twitter the other day through Peter Philopoulos was asked a similar question um, and his basic um, reply was they want to fish where the fish are. So in terms of getting to the local clubs, establishing that that, that connection between your local grassroots clubs and, and A-League, and also getting a lot of what we'd like to call Euro snobs, the guys that will stay up well eight and watch European football, but for whatever reason won't come down to the A-League. And it's it's those kind of people. I think if we do get those people involved, um, that's a, a pretty good uh, way to you know up the ante on the, on the supporter base numbers. Donna, what about you? You spend a lot of time around the MPL. Is there's, there's people that go to those games that probably don't drift into the A-League. No, they do, don't. Do you know it's, why? It's quite sad, and a lot of people are stuck 
in their ways, I guess, and it's something that I have picked up moving to Perth. Um, you know, in Melbourne, we've got quite a few successful clubs over there, so there's more to talk about. You know, the victory do well, and then you get a rivalry. For some reason here, people have just got this really bad stigma about Perth, and I don't know what it is. Um, and it's you know, but credit to the administration, like you've got to say, what Peter has done in this short space of time, uh, and he's so highly regarded over in the Eastern States, um, and he's you know, people are loving him over here. The way he deals with fans, his administration, and everything else. Credit to him, what he's done with the club in the last year. I can see you guys hitting your 10,000 membership next year, pending on the seasons you have this year. That's what it's all about, really. And I said to Blaine, as sad as it is, WA sport is about results. If you win, you will get your 20,000 whatever you want. If you lose, they hate you. So that's literally what it's all about over here. So results come, your fans will come. But you guys are on, yeah, almost 6,000. I think that's already... 20% more than what you had this time last year so it's pretty good but you know what other eight clubs are struggling as well so it's not just about Glory's numbers it's sort of you know Adelaide and Sydney and everyone else that aren't, haven't got the numbers either I, so, I still know a few people as well that haven't signed up me included I've just exactly. been too lazy on a holiday etc yeah, exactly. so there's still, there's still a lot of people to come on board Joey, you mentioned just about the, the salary cap fiasco and we've also talked about how fickle Perth is do you think we're 18 months removed from that now. Do you think everyone's forgotten about it? Or is there still anything lingering there a little bit? No, because we had such a great run that season. That's what it made it, made it hurt more. I think it was, it was awful timing because the squad was really suddenly like good. Um, you know, we opened up. Um, I think Keogh scored a hat-trick on uh, against Brisbane. First game of the season, the season yeah. And we had great numbers as well. I think mean, uh, we've broken the record capacity. Uh, no, it was, it was pretty up there though. We had some really high capacities towards uh, yeah, the end of that season. And then obviously, you know, you, the new struck when the people just did not want to show and that. You know, everyone had their reasons. I think some people were more pissed than, than others, but um, I just, I don't know, I felt like, you know, they sort of abandoned it, especially the media as well. They, they, they had a field day with that and it just dragged, it dragged the club through the, the hedges really. So. I actually wrote a bit of an article on this and it was all about, um, it felt like a, a pretty successful season um, looking back at it um, last year, considering where we had come from in terms of the salary cap um, and the way that they, they did turn their season around and said, come on, let's make something of this. Um, and I think even though we didn't go as far as we'd like to in the final series um, and we kind of hit a bit of a, a road hump in that last day of the season against Sydney FC when they did us there, which unfortunately sent us to Melbourne City um, and we lost over there away um, but it was looking back um, retrospectively it was it was a pretty successful season from where we came from yeah. um, and it gave us uh, hope for, yeah. for this year yeah. alright well, let's let's finish this segment by talking briefly about this year as you know going around the table and ask what the pass mark for Perth Glory is this year Donna oh. I said it to Blaine. Blaine and I were having this discussion. If they don't win a championship in the next two years, then... Yeah, but I said this year. Oh, this year? <laughs> with the squad that you have, I would have to see you guys in the top four and challenging for that title. If you don't, in my opinion, with the squad, it's a, it's a failure. I think, I think their expectations will be yeah, very high as well. Absolutely. So I, I can see anything other than a one-two finish. I think they'll be absolutely. looking as a... As a bit of a failure um, as a, uh, especially because of what Donna said about the team that they've got on paper um, there's a lot of good names on that side and there's a lot of depth to that side so obviously 28 game season um, the other clubs could run into a bit of uh, injury concern hopefully we've got the depth to be able to you know uh, a young side 
Yeah. So, so get through that. Fraser? Yeah, like it, I mean, the league as a whole, there are, the way I see it right now, some clubs do have very strong sides, some not so strong. So I think there is, Donna's probably right, the top four um, finish at least, but the top four at the end of the season is going to be very comp- competitive sort of last game. It could even come into the last, you know, match even, and that would be good for the league as a whole. But, you know, it'd be nice to grab that last last game of the season winner against Melbourne Victory just so we can really have a good <laughs> conversation. It would be good if we played the last games of the season simultaneously, but we all know that's not a thing. Um, that's, that's for another day when we're yeah. mid-season. Yeah, we'll bring that up so. with the promotion relegation discussion. Yeah. 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 Exactly. we put a spare three days. I've got my ideas down for the fourth yeah. division right now. Joe, pass mark for you. Uh, I think you're going to win the league. Um, I'm coming up straight out of the gates and um, I'm going to say, um, you know, I, I may have to eat my hat at some point. You before, will, because we will win it. I'm, buy, I'm buying Joe a sombrero right. prior to this season happening. But uh, so. I feel really, yeah, really positive about this season. Um, great sign, as he said. It looks great on paper. Let's just hope that can translate to the pitch. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet. Home final. I'm on a home final. Just to get the crowd in and enjoy the occasion. You miss that when you don't have it. So Absolutely. That's it. All right, that's the first part done and dusted. We'll be back in a few seconds with a look at the rest of the A-League sides. Welcome back to the very first Far Post Perth podcast, as well as Perth Glory. There are nine other teams in the A-League, so we're going to discuss some of the moves made by them over the off-season, as well as offering up a few predictions. So, the big story is, it's now the Tim Cahill A-League, signed by Melbourne City, finally. Lots of vision. Lots of vision, leaving the legacy, leaving the legacy earning a fortune. It's great. Well, let's, let's, in all re- let's be realistic. It's a great coup for the A-League to have him back, isn't it, mate? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, he's the face of football in Australia by far and away. If you ask any non-football person um, who their favourite Australian player is, oh, nine is. out of ten, it will be Tim, Tim Cahill. he plays for Everton, right? Yeah, is that the general response still? But yeah, yeah, no, it's... Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's massive, it's huge. Um, it's talking about um, it having a big impact on the um, uh, TV rights um, later down the line. Um, which will obviously pump up the value of that slightly. Um, yeah, it's, it's good stuff for the, for the league. Um, a little bit questionable about how it went about in terms of the, um, the rules being bent um, for a new kind of guest marquee, whatever they're labelling it as. Um, but yeah, no, it is a it is a good move for the league as a whole. Fraser, what about you? Is this, is this the move that propels Melbourne City to the top of the table? They, they had a decent year last year, finished fourth. Is this the guy that's going to come in and be that X-Factor? I'm going to say they're going to go out and do sort of extremely achievable things. It will make an impact to their side. And I just think Tim Cahill as a whole, um, not just in football terms, but as a sporting influence to a lot of young children in the country, is a bit of an inspiring character. So... I think people just associate him with football. Yeah, people might not necessarily go to football, might want to go see Tim Cahill for a change. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like when a great cricketer or a great rugby player starts playing for a team, you jump along. I think at this current moment, like he's a, he's not a league winning player, you know, he's, he's, he's getting up there, he's getting up there, so, you know, but he's got a lot of experience in bringing that to the team, and, you know, the fans love him as a whole, as you know, not only a Series player, but, you know, he's an experienced club player knows his stuff so I think he's going to certainly help their prospects for a challenge on us for the top of the league um, I'd like to see him score a few goals anyway yeah yeah for sure yeah, great, great sports, exactly you know. not <laughs> well we won't get to see him in part until the last day of the season that's the uh, first time that Melbourne City come here so we're getting to feel the full benefit of the KL experience it's great the same way we got to have a beer 
Yeah, we always get looked after. Always get looked after. <laughs> All right, well, Melbourne City have lost a few players as well. They, the big one for me, obviously, Aaron Moy is gone. But I enjoyed watching Harry Neville. I know he had his questionable um, problems off the field, but he was a fantastic player. Um, Michael Zulo has gone to Sydney FC. In they've brought in they brought in Josh Rose from the Mariners, which left a little bit of a sour taste in a lot of um, Mariners fans because of how long Rose was associated with the club. Luke Bratton's come in from Manchester City. Yeah, he's uh, one of my favourite signings, Luke Bratton. Yeah. I think he's going to absolutely. I thought it, I honestly thought it was Tim Minchin when they first pulled him up. <laughs> he's a dead ringer for Tim he's, Minchin. I was waiting for him to get out there. Absolutely brilliant. They got Neil Kilkenny as well from Preston North End. So that Manny Muscat coming in from the Knicks. He knows the league is the best thing I could say, um, but they've done, they've recruited they've recruited well. Still question marks over the defence for me though, so it'll be interesting to see. It might be like watching Kevin Keegan's Newcastle. You score five, we'll score six. So it might be entertaining <laughs> at, at, at the very least. Donald, we'll just mention your um, your victory. You must be delighted to have Marco Rojas back. Apart from that though, Mitch Austin's a decent pickup and James Truisi's back, but. Are you satisfied that the, the, the strength is there? Let's let's remind ourselves again where victory finished last season. I'm just looking at the table again. Scrolling, scrolling, forever scrolling. Sixth. Yes. Yes, we finished sixth. We let ourselves down. Hey, um, I was, at the start of the uh, end of the season, I was I panicked. We let go. Of, well, we released quite a few players. Um, and... I was I was panicking. Rojas coming back, watching him in the highlights against Sydney, we just beat them behind behind closed doors. It was like he had never left and nothing had changed. So he's a huge pick up. Mitch Austin, I think for me, if he stays injury free, we got the better end of the deal with swapping with Connor Payne. I think he's great. Um, defensive wise, Del Pierre is our biggest loss, um, in my opinion. If we could have him for another year, I would have been very happy. But I'm very confident now um, with James Rorisi back in, Borussia finding form. I think we'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, Disappointed to lose Barbarossas and Finkler? Barbarossas and Finkler. Well, Finkler uh, more so than Barbarossas for me, I think. Um, in saying that, they're both apparently smashing it for the Phoenix at the moment in pre-season. So it'll be good to see them up against us. Probably should have started with last season's champions because they did win it. <laughs> uh, Adelaide United, they've picked up Enrique, Brisbane Roar, Stallworth. Yeah. Um, any surprise, Blaine, to see him go to another A-League club? Well, I think with the problems with Brisbane, um, obviously uh, players and officials and uh, a lot of staff complaints about not being paid and all the ownership dramas. Um, it was quite, I, I'm not really surprised that a lot of players kind of tried to look for the um, emergency exit there. Um, not really surprised that he that he went to another A League club. Um, it was probably that, or he'd probably end up somewhere in Malaysia or um, Indonesia for China, maybe. Maybe if you're lucky. Um, probably not a big enough name for China, but you know, one of those lesser kind of Southeast. Did a name change? Um, Adelaide's an interesting one considering they really struggled to hold on to a lot of players. Well, just looking at the list, Jete's gone, Stefan Mork, Babalge, Goodwin, Kamel, Pablo Sanchez. They were all players, I know Babalge got a serious injury, but they were all players who contributed heavily to last season's win and they haven't adequately replaced them for me. Craig Goodwin was brilliant from last season um, and obviously it's yeah, he's starts, a big loss. Big loss for them. He started to do well with his uh, European career as well. Um, so that's a huge loss as well as um, the couple of Spaniards that they lost, uh, Pablo Sanchez um, and Gita. Gita played very well towards the end of last season and probably got them to 
to winning it um, in the last stages. Yeah, there, definitely, you know, and as you say, players like that, you know, Sanchez was a phenomenal bench player, wasn't he? But he'd come on and he'd score the goals they needed to win the game, you know, so it was a big game changer. And a few others in there, they're going to really miss from the squad, and as you say, I don't think they have replaced a few of these names in, in the best possible manner. I think they're going to struggle this season. I'm not worried about them at all. No, neither am I. I don't think they're going to be what they were um, last year, but I, I feel that they're going to struggle this season. Top six side, but I don't think that they're going to do as well as people are expecting them to do coming off last season. Brisbane Roar were mentioned with their off-season problems. Brett Holman's come in, the big name. Um, Thomas Christensen at Dane. I think he's a defensive midfielder from what, uh, from what I've read. Jacob Pepper in from the roundabout, the merry-go-round as it, as it goes in the A-League. Um, it's not really inspiring, is it? It's not an exciting squad when you look at it on paper. No, huge problems at Brisbane. Yeah. Um, I read a lot of articles in Brisbane at went out two weeks ago. Um, problems with the, the Bakri group um, not releasing. I think Daniel Daniel Cobb is the new guy that wanted to come in and he's been stuffed around from what we're hearing. Uh, bigger changes for, for buying the club. Um, they're an absolute mess at the moment. Um, unfortunately, you can't really see them um, coming through the end of the tunnel this season at all. That's a big club and it's it's disappointing that they, they have a supporter base. I just hate watching Brisbane play because I hate watching them play in Suncorp Stadium. I'm all big. about the boutique stadiums when it comes to regular season. We all went to the grand final and it was amazing in Brisbane, result aside, when it was filled to capacity. But when you're watching 15,000 people in a 50,000 seater stadium, it just looks terrible. I'm not a fan of it at all. I know that, I know that we can't just build a stadium for the sake of it, but if any city could do it at any park, it's probably Brisbane. Yeah, well, Brisbane's got, I mean, they've got that bit of a um, an advantage considering it's rugby league territory and rugby territory to where they would be able to possibly come to a ground share agreement. There's even talk about Brisbane Strikers' uh, home ground being renovated. It actually doesn't look too bad as it is. It's probably not A-League standard. Um, it's definitely not A-League standard when it comes to capacity. But if it, it's probably not a bad place to start if you're turning to uh, renovating a place like that. Oh, I mentioned Sydney FC in the previous segment with regard to the FFA Cup. They've brought in Bobo, not the teddy bear from The Simpsons, but a Brazilian <laughs> striker who is uh, going to lead the line for them. Bernie Abini's back in from Club Bruges alone. Danny Vukovic in goal. Josh Berlante didn't exactly set the world on fire when he went to Italy, but he's back in the A-League. Alex Wilkinson from Melbourne City, who came from the same club as, as uh, Michael Zullo. Not bad, not bad recruitment. I, I think it's quite good. They got rid of a lot of dead wood. They got rid of a lot, a lot of players who just had either run their course or underperformed last year. Managed to get rid of a few of them to the Mariners, which was very nice of them. But uh, but the players they brought in, I think Fraser, they're all right. I'm more concerned with the players they put out. Yeah, they did get rid of a few. And I know my mate Nathan Smith's got to be listening to this at some point. So I think the more um, degrading I can be towards Sydney, the better. But I think I'll leave my comment out. <laughs> all right, Joe. Sydney's, Sydney's players coming in, they're traditionally a big club, finished seventh last year, didn't even make finals, that's not good enough. Yeah, no, I agree, um, you know, they're, they're one of the teams that when I first moved over here, we're told, oh, look, these are one of the big teams in Australia, and, and you know, one of the Melbourne teams, maybe one of the Melbourne teams, um, um, but yeah, look, they've got rid of a lot of uh, players that, yeah, won't cut the mustard. Um, so hopefully, you know, they've signed a few that can get them, propel them back up to where they should be, and they should be challenging for the, you know, 
yeah, know, the top Wilco, four really. Still, they're in the yeah. mix there. So with Wilco, Beanie, and Brillante, I can't see them struggling as bad as they did last year. I love seeing them struggle, but not, I can't see them struggle as bad. As I'm not sure they've got the legs in them. It's a, they've got some quite aging players there in Carney, Wilkinson, and Bros. Um, who in saying that were, uh, they were pretty handy against us in the FFA Cup. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ross was great um, when he came on. Yeah, yeah. Um, just awful. I'm not sure if <laughs> yeah, that could. That'd be one of those sides that you'd be questioning whether they could be consistent through the 28 rounds. I think um, the league wants them to bounce back, but it's going to come down to character through the season. Well, you're asking yourself if they've got enough depth um, to stay off the likes of if they do have an injury prone second yeah. of the season. Like, have you got the players that can come in and fill the gaps? You know, for the, the, the people they released player. weren't that impressive. I mean, other than Ali Abbas, who else have they released? Fatty, Tavares, Zach Anderson. I mean, all respect to them, they're not exactly wow. Dead wood as Neil yeah. said, you know, it's, if they're not playing, they're, they're making their way to the club, then. I don't think they'll miss anybody on the release list. No. That's that's the bottom line, really. I think it's fair to say. Uh, let's move slightly west of Sydney FC and to the club that invented active support and who we owe so much to. We oh. wouldn't have an A League without them. It's the West of Sydney Wanderers. <laughs> Brought in uh, McDonald's great favourite customer, Karen Bullet is back from his uh, from his little um, hiatus over in Greece. Uh, he's in. Jack Clisby, former Perk Laurie man, is in uh, from Melbourne City. Jacob Melling joins him. Robbie Cornthwaite is a, a pretty handy pickup uh, at the back. And a few players never really heard of Bruno Pinatares and, yeah, Jumpai Kusakami. There you go. Obviously, obviously he's being labelled the new Shinji Ono because that's the lazy way to do it. Anyone that comes in from that part of the world is immediately the new Ono. But uh, I haven't seen anything of him. They've um, lost, no, Scott, lost Scott Jamison. Lost Alberto, Mark Bridge is gone, Castellan did well towards the end of the season, he's gone. How are they going to do? How are they, gonna do? they started to rebuild last season, I felt, and I think they got to further than what most people thought in making the grand final against Adelaide. Um, it seems to me they're still very much in a rebuilding phase. Um, we've seen what Popovich can do managerial-wise. Um, he can build a good squad and he can take them to the top of the league and of course they can do well in the in the Champions League if they do get there. Um, but I can't see that happening this year. Um, Scott Jonathan is a huge loss for them. I'd take him Absolutely. back in half. Uh, yeah. yeah, and you know before he came to the glory, I didn't rate him at all. And then all of a sudden he started to shine. And then he absolutely killed the voice in Sydney and I think he is one of the biggest losses for them. Where's he gone? Europe. I have Kate Hedenberg in Sweden. Yeah. He's playing in the Europa League at the moment, which is great. That's what yeah. you want, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to our heated rivals, the team we love to hate and who we claimed silverware against last year. It's the Wellington Phoenix in the uh, distance derby. Everyone's favourite. The fact that he gets played in three times, marvellous. Um, Say what you want about the old firm, but. No, this is. <laughs> Look, it replaced the Iron Ore Cup, which was a massive void to fill when Gold Coast went bust. We needed something, and Wellington stepped up to the plate with the Long Distance Derby Cup Trophy competition, whatever it is. Costa Barbarous and Guy Fink are the big ins. Playing massive difference. Yeah, yeah, I think Donna would agree that they're big losses to Melbourne. Yep. Um, so I think it has to be a decent game for Wellington. Um, interesting enough, they. Um, they pumped um, Melbourne City 3-1 in an exhibition Four. game up in... 4-1 with Apologies. a Melbourne City full-strength squad. There you go. That was up in uh, North Queensland. Yeah, in Townsville. Good so it would have been pretty um, pretty interesting conditions up there for both sides. Yeah. Yeah, just the thing for the Phoenix that I would be concerned about is they've, they've lost Muscat, Sigmund and Riera. Three 
solid defensive players for, for the past few years. Do you reckon they'll lead goals? Well, they've started, well, big pardon, they have signed a couple of good forwards, so I think that's going to make an impact. But they're a side that just goes to show that anything can happen from one season to the next in this league. So they finished second last last year, and I would be assuming they'd finish higher than that, yeah. but considerably higher than that, not just, oh, we'll finish fourth last this year, we'll probably go a bit further and try and achieve a bit more, but I mean, anything can change, we can bite my tongue for a bit. It's the A-League. Let's move in to the final, the, the final two teams in the list. It's hard to separate them, they're so, they're both, both all over the place, so pick up one at random, go with the Newcastle Jets first because they finished slightly higher last year. All change ahead of the new season, manager's out, Scott Miller got the boot, talk of descent in the ranks over on their Chinese trip, players aren't happy, now you've got a coach that's going to come in and have to manage a squad that he didn't pick going into the season, never a good preparation Joe? No, it's never, never an easy task, you know, you ask anyone with experience you know, in that regard, and it's, it's not easy going into, because you're not going to have the same relationship with players, and you know, you've got a form on that. With a month any, to any go as well. Manager, Authority figure at a club has to you know, step up to the plate, almost earn that trust and respect to the fans, and it's, it's a real situation. It's, it's a very, very similar scenario to Central Coast in the fact that obviously none of the new coaches coming in pick their sides. So, um, but in saying that, it's almost um, there's no expectations there. I don't think this year for either either of the clubs. But isn't that part of the problem with the fact that there's no relegation? There's no consequence. Well, and this is another issue. And you're, you're it must, um, we are saving for the promotion relegation podcast. <laughs> yes. But as a new coach coming in, you're saying about no expectation. Yeah. Like, well, it's a it's a it's a free hit essentially. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's no consequence. There's oh, no yeah. expectations. But breaks for them a little bit for the Jets. Why you always lose there? Why would you be? Uh, yeah, they're our bogus side. I don't know why, but my heart breaks for them, and I think it's because you know they were having a really good preseason, um, despite what comes out and what we read. Um, the guys were gelling; they were doing well. Um, you know, and it just it's so close to the season, a month out, to do this to a club that already isn't stable. Um, it just, yeah, I feel really sorry for them. I, I don't know, I just feel bad for them. And I think the same thing with Central Coast, I expect nothing from them. No, sympathy is a sign of weakness. <laughs> hate them all, hate them all. They hate you back. No, Let's go on don't. to the Mariners, last year's Wooden Spooners. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I picked them to be the Wooden Spoon again. That squad, so. look at that squad. I mean, it's woeful. It's bad. And I know they're a really happy-go-lucky family orientated club but god the, the spin doctors can only work so much when you're looking through that list of players Fraser Spooners again absolutely oh, yeah. without a doubt guaranteed we're going to lose to them though because for me opening my mouth again but it's just one of those teams aren't they Central Coast unfortunately um, with Ocon coming in and taking the new the new role there um, I mean as a coach he's probably pretty good he's probably up to A-League standard he can probably do a job there what they really needed they need someone more um Media savvy, they need someone to speak to the community. They need to that unite that that Central Coast region. Who were the I other options? Do we know? I don't think Ocon could do that. Okay. It wasn't part of the problem though. One Wormsley was that he was on like Facebook before games, having fan interactions and all. And it just it just bordered on the line of, of amateur at times. And and I know again it goes back to them trying to be so friendly and happy go lucky, but that only yeah. gets you so far. Two sides of the coin in that you know there's the professionalism and sticking to your job and what you know, and then there's trying to merge the two together. And I think you know you, you maybe want to bat it the wrong way and you just come across. Some okay, like you know, with Trevor and Fatty, but. 
is okay. That's the dead wood we it's talked okay. about. It's okay. Yeah, but they're okay. Like, you know, for someone like Sydney, other turkeys are better. But for some, it sounds horrible and I feel so terrible. But the Central Coast, that's okay for them for now. No. Well, the same goes back to that relegation. Oh, okay, if we can finish bottom again, oh, that's not too bad. We can bounce back next because season. Because we're never, yeah, we're not going to get relegated. Exactly. Right. Every year's a rebuilding year. Yes. Exactly. Okay. Round table again, we're going to go with the team to beat and who's going to win the spoon. I know the spoon's going to be an easy one, but we'll do it anyway. So, Donna, who's the team to beat this year? Hey, I've picked Victory and the Phoenix. Um, out of them two, Victory because I, I'm just really pumped to see what they can do. The preseason's been great. Phoenix, for me, I think he's going to surprise everybody. Wooden Spoon, Central Coast. Right. I think yeah. Melbourne City, um, Fauna Rolling, Cahill up front, um, Luke Bratton in the mid. Um, if they can get the delivery and they can... They can um, not concede too many. They'll definitely have enough to score the goals. Spoon. Spoon. Mariners. Cool. Fraser, just so we have a record, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the wooden spoons, obviously. Uh, Got to be Central Coast, hopefully. So you can listen to this podcast later on down the track and go, yeah, go me. I was right for a change. Um, team to beat, however, I, I probably agree with Donna. I think Wellington's going to be that dark horse. Kind of punt out of nowhere and get a good win. And it could work in our favour against other teams. But I'd be, yeah... Hoping that we can beat them. Joe? Spoon, uh, guess, guess what I'm going to say, guys. Uh, no, I reckon the Mariners for the spoon, and I think I agree with Blaine, Melbourne City. A lot of pressure on them to perform, though. That's a good so point. Scored. Sometimes it's harder, you know, you're talking about um, consequences of um, being a bottom table team. There's, there's a relief of pressure when you're playing the big games. You've got the underdog mentality, whereas with Melbourne City, big club, and they're trying to become the biggest club, aren't they? They really are. And, I think, Melbourne City want to do things now, yeah, you know, I like. think they'll be they'll be a tough team to beat though. So. I think it's Melbourne City for me, the team to beat. Money buys titles. Don't care what anybody says, salary cap league or otherwise, mm-hmm. facilities, your preparation, all that can be bought. So I, I think, think nicely said from a Manchester City fan there. Voice yeah. of experience, voice of experience. They're, they're the team to beat and the Mariners for the spoon. So that's it. Uh, that's it for the A League segment. It sounds like we're all looking forward to the season, so we'll take that positivity into the break and come back with the last part of the podcast. podcast for the final segment of our debut show. We're going gonna, gonna to look at any other business that's doing, uh, doing the rounds in Perth at the moment. To kick things off, we'll discuss the Socceroos and their recent visit. Antipasta Coglu's side were here for a World Cup qualifier against Iraq recently. Picked up a 2-0 win on the carpet that is NIB Stadium in front of 18,923 spectators. Before Blaine launches into a rant, we're going to have a little chat about how the game was for those of us that were just in the cheap seats, not uh, not waving flags. Donna, what do you think of it? Um, it was a bit of a boring game, first half. It picked up in the second half. I think they found their rhythm. Um, I feel like players just weren't linking very well. Um, shout out to Mark Milligan. I think he was brilliant. Um, but, yeah, I think it was an average game. It wasn't what I expected it to be. Um, and I think it was because they underestimated who they were playing. I think that's what it was. Um, that's my... Iraq's always always a, uh, a bit of a bogey side for us. Um, yeah. There seems to be a couple of those Middle Eastern countries that give us a bit of grief. Um, I was I was happy with two 0 um, I think when you when you're playing at this stage of the World Cup qualifiers, you just take you know you win at home yeah. and you pick up points away. Um, we did that in Perth. We went to UAE five days later, but um, cheeky one 0 win over there in pretty oppressive kind of heat. Um, yeah, I don't think we could uh, ask for anything more out of the 
the two games. It's a solid, it's a solid result. You take two nil. My only concern is, as Donna mentioned, the game wasn't particularly great. I'd say there was a lot of families and that there. It was a midweek game. I think Fraser that might put anyone off going again. I know we had a game 12 months ago. We might not get another one for a while with the way the World Qualifying set up. Or is there anything in that that will people off? That's one of those things. I mean, a lot of people I spoke to didn't go to the game like, oh, they're only playing a rock. They're going to win that anyway. I mean, that sort of attitude. I mean, there's people like us that are going to go to every game regardless, you know, whether it's Argentina or Fiji. There's always going to be support for your national side. I mean, a lot of people did come up for the Eastern States. I was quite impressed, actually, with the, um, the Iraq away fans as well. I mean, yeah, they were oh, yeah. Kudos to them. They were brilliant. It was fantastic, weren't they? So, yeah, that's probably my highlight of the game, actually. You could see the away fans in the stadium for a start. You know? I agree with what you say every time. I mean, I watched it at home. They were brilliant. In, in what Donna said was a rather lackluster game, especially that first half. You know, they carried on cheering, but the team itself, I just yeah, I think there's a few players that didn't, they didn't link well. Yeah. And to be honest, yeah, that was pretty pretty poor start. They gave the ball away in the field a couple of times, uh, and then. We didn't confident going forward. No, Moy and Yedinak weren't given too much time on the ball. That's pretty credit to the to the Iraqi side. Um, absolutely, um, they couldn't. And unfortunately for them, they couldn't contain you know Rogic as well. And Rogic ended up stepping up, and um, Luongo um, played very very well. Um, Juric was kicking himself after he missed that. Made amends with a, an assist and a, and a goal himself. So. Um, yeah, I don't Which was funny because I was calling for Yurich to come off just before he got that assist. So I was saying, Yeah, I was like, Come on, like, what are you doing? But then when he <laughs> came back with that, I was like, Okay. Oh, yeah, what I am going to do is just lay into the stadium and the setup um, there from an active active fan point of view. Um, there seems, on when he, we're on the clock here. <laughs> there seems to be a real problem with uh, people and their expectations um, and not knowing what happens in an active bay for god's sakes um don't take your kids to an active bay don't sit down in an active bay we had um babies small children older folk that had no idea which tickets they were buying what was the what the go was with all that and unfortunately the security and the stadium management didn't either so um, how, how do you police that if, if those tickets are available for general sale well that needs to come from the ffa through alerts and this and that um there just needs to be a a bit more education and a bit more of the a fan culture. Warning, do you have a child? Do not buy this ticket. Well, if, 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 if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes, you know. Um, but people need to be aware of that because um, it really. Um, I feel that people should know active. I, I don't think so because. And this is not a new problem. This, no, this it's always happening. happening. Well, for yeah. me, something like the soccer is in Perth is more of a novelty than an A-League game, for yeah. example. And sure. People go along for the occasion and they buy the cheap seats and the cheap seats... But in saying that, the active golf. the active um, area seats are $10 more than the Cat C. So, so they haven't actually yeah, gone for the cheap seats. Well, well, not everyone's on your wage, Neil. So. Yeah. Well, I'm the lads in the mining paying $120 for <laughs> Boom isn't dead yet. <laughs> but I, I do t- take your point, and it, it needs to be more clearly defined because it, it, the guys that are in the active support put in so much effort to. Like, cause there's people that go to games that don't care about the active support. They go to watch the game, and they don't really mind about what they would make flags with banners, yep. all that. Yep. But there are people that care about it. Yep. So they yep. should be facilitated and looked after. And it's not as if they're demanding to be pocketed around the stadium. No. They just want the section to be able to do what they do in that, within the rules. And surely from a stadium perspective, 
it's a lot easier to govern if they're all in the same spot because I was surprised to see Iraq fans behind that goal and then they on the far end as well in deep pockets they were littered around the stadium which yeah. you're always going to get yeah. but the two major um, sections of Iraq fans were, were at opposite ends of the stadium and one was in the Australian atmosphere that's a recipe for trouble Really, it, it, it is. It is, and most people are pretty well behaved. And you know, we're not going to you know England versus bloody Turkey and Istanbul or anything like that. So, I mean, most people are pretty well behaved, and that they got on with it. It was just a. It was just unfortunate that the whole setup um, just restricted the, the support. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've we've got NIB Stadium sorted though in the sense that we can fill it for a soccer game, eighteen, nineteen thousand. Great, the stadium is full. What about when we move to the new Perth Stadium, Joe? It's, it's sixty-five thousand for a soccer match when they put in the drop the drop-in seats against Iraq on a cold Tuesday or Thursday night. It's gonna look. It's gonna go back to what I said earlier about Suncorp Stadium when there's fifteen thousand war fans there. It's gonna take it away from it. And what all it does is give ammunition for people from other codes say you can't even fill your stadiums. Whereas a full twenty thousand seater stadium looks more impressive than half in fifty thousand. Do you think that will lose a lot if the games are moved from NIB, or should we be aiming for if you can get thirty thousand people, you move to the stadium because we want to get as many people in as possible. Big games, maybe, um, the kicker for me, really, is I don't think Perth is going to get big enough international, competitive internationals to justify going to the stadium. But they'll stick the games there anyway. Playing for your active. Yeah, well, it all depends on what kind of deal um, the AFC or the FFA or whoever's got ownership of the particular game at the time. Um, yeah, I can't see us moving away from NIB Stadium. Ange has said it's the best pitch in Australia. Um, obviously, logistically, it was good, so we, we knocked off four hours off the trip to UAE five days later. Made sense to play it in Perth. Um, I don't think there's any more kind of scenarios in the in the rest of this qualifying phase where that's going to be an issue. I think we go to Saudi and then back to back to Melbourne, um, which is already locked in for Etihad Stadium. Um, it's just going to have to be gauged, I think, and you just hope that there's a bit of common sense there. That um, um, a bit of common sense there. That um, you know, if you can't, you're not going to fill it. Then just play it at NIB. All right, let's move on to the last topic I've got here, and it's just touching on the, the proposal for a second A-League team in Perth. It was mentioned that Football West are going to look to build on the whole West Express thing and have, have state colours for a team, the black and yellow, all that kind of stuff. First of all, Donna, as a non-Glory fan, would you welcome having two teams in Perth and having a proper rivalry that isn't... Um, um, it means you'd have two teams to lose against that yeah, game, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll have two sides to lose against. Um, there's pros and cons to it. The pros for people wanting a second team is the ones you'll have the people that want to jump from glory, the ones that don't support them right now, that have that negative drama about them. Um, you know, with Melbourne, like using Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory as an example, it's quite divided in our city when you go against the Derby. There's no better feeling than playing against them. So I think it could really work in your favour over here. Um, I don't know if you have a big enough 
NPL club to move into that, um, to build off, uh, in my opinion. I mean, you've got Bayswater and so forth, but... I don't think they're a runner yeah. purely from the fact that they won't change the name and Bayswater City is nothing to the rest of Australia That's in terms exactly of marketing. Right. If you're putting another Perth team in, it has to be something Someone titled that Perth. Yep. But Bayswater aren't going to change their name. Neither are... Sterling lines or any of those the only, the only way that I could I could see it fitting in would be a Fremantle yeah. or maybe a South West or something that like that having um, Geelong so it'd be the same thing I'm not a fan of giving free rides into the A-League um, I'd prefer to have teams that are already established no matter um, where in Australia they are um, if that means having a third one in Sydney, if that means having a third one in Melbourne, so be it. Um, yeah, I don't agree with giving them free rides. We've seen what happened before. I agree. Before expand, with, expand properly. With um, Gold Coast United, North Queensland Fury. Um, they were kind of a little pop-up. West Sydney Wanderers. They came from nowhere. But Prop in the league up. With a, with a with real really rich... good administration. And with a real up. rich yeah. football history as well. Exactly. Obviously based on the, the first football club in Australia. Um, but yeah, no, it should be... We'll leave it again for our uh, promotion relegation uh, three-day podcast, but um, yeah, I don't agree with um, just free rides straight into the. No, alley. there's pros and cons to it, but I, I agree with what you're saying. You bring in someone like Sydney United or South, South Melbourne. Melbourne. You know, they're already yeah. established and they've got that base. Exactly, and I think they'll do a lot better than starting a completely fresh club here. But again, in saying that, if it is going to happen, I would say it'd have to be in Fremantle. Oh, absolutely. But it presents an interesting conflict of interest because. Currently, Perth Glory's youth teams play in Football West leagues, and Football West would be governing this new side. Why would Football West continue to support Perth Glory if they're rivals too? Why would the youth teams be allowed? I to think maybe in the setup that could work, similar to what they had to do in the AFL with the early years of West Coast Eagles being run by the WISC, and then they started to kind of yep. look to a consortium and a private ownership kind of um, input. Um, so I can I can see it working in the initial setup, but. Um, not, um, There's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done before it can actually happen. Oh, absolutely. I don't think um, I think Football West should continue to be Football West and worry about the local game. Because um, there's a lot of work to do there. <laughs> and let the A-League and the FFA deal with it. Yeah. Is, there, is there an appetite in Perth for a second? Because in the last few years, we've struggled for an appetite for one, never mind a second. Are we... Are we I think I think it's about the people that dislike the glory and have that thing about them that don't want to support them. You're gonna have. There's so many people out there for whatever whatever reason there is. I think that's the only reason why a second team would be good. Football West slogan: Hate the glory, come support us. Yeah, literally, that's what will happen. They want more of a ring to it. Something along those lines. Yes, but literally, that's that's what I'm thinking. Sorry, go ahead. Thank you, Blaine. <laughs> oh, what I was going to say, if it was to work, it, it wouldn't be a thing that's going to happen overnight. It's going to be, as they say, three to five year project. Maybe nothing's finalised, obviously, but to make it work, they'd need another two or three years of planning. So I'm right, this is what's definitely happening. Plus, <clears throat> I don't know how I'd feel about having a second team in Perth, per se, as in, in the run of the city centre. I think there should be more where the population centre is, so whether it's the extreme northern suburbs, i.e. during Love or Mandra. You know what I mean? Somewhere like that, it creates a bit of space. The southwest, down that way. Yeah, Bunbury Way. Bunbury's a huge. Yeah, they've got a huge following over there. They've got great facilities. Do they have the population to support them? I, mean, I, I think Bunbury's a little too far away. I think if you if you had it, Mandra, you can get the people from Bunbury can commute yeah. the hour or so. Yeah. And people from the city can go. I think Mandra's probably as far as you could cross. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I think it's a lot, a pretty big pie in the sky. 
um, idea still. I don't think it's going to happen any time. No, really. and I, I think a lot of other areas can be proved on in terms of priorities and getting the MPL right and getting the local leagues right. Absolutely. Joe, would you be jumping ship to the new franchise if it was dropped in? Stick to what they know for now. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. And as you say, you're going to get a lot of stubborn, stubborn fans who already don't want to come and watch. You know, stubborn fans against Australian football. People who are used to the, the, the life of EPL and, that, and they don't want to even come to the glory game. So are you even going to get the following to, to get another team? Just the biggest, like you said. You know, is there enough? Can they generate numbers of fans and actually get enough interest in the team? Alright, so the consensus around the table is... No. Not, not at the moment. <laughs> not for now. Not at the Maybe moment, in the next though. ten years. Alright, well that's where we'll wrap, it. That's, that's, yeah. we'll wrap it up there in the first podcast. Um, say thanks to everyone around the table for, for joining me and hopefully our listeners enjoyed the first of what will hopefully be many Farpost Perth podcasts. The podcast is available to download from Audio Boom and iTunes. So thanks to Outside 90. Make sure to check out our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at Farpost Perth and the Facebook is also, imaginably enough, Farpost Perth. And the email address is farpostperth at gmail.com. We'll be back in a few weeks once the A League is up and running. So I'll speak to you then. Have a good night. Cheers. Thanks. woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years. Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.